You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. To left center, deep, gone, Brewers lead it. And a swing and a miss, he struck him out. Down the line, and that's the ball game. Hey, Brewers fans, welcome back. It's another episode of Brewers Unfiltered. Episode 15 already of this season. It's Sophia Minner, Adam McCalvey, Tim Diller joining you for your weekly Brewers chat. Thanks for checking in with us. And we've got a very special guest this week, um, someone who just celebrated 10 years in the Brewers organization. And it might be an unexpected name because you might not realize this person has been with the Brewers that long. But it is, in fact, all-star closer Devin Williams. And guys, we had a great time with Devin. It ended up being a very eventful interview uh, when we sat down with him in the media room at American Family Field. And it started with, um, he didn't know he was going to be a a surprise guest on the podcast, let alone in a tour group at American Family Field. Yeah, Yeah, it was almost our first, well... But it was nice, Tim. You were very welcoming to those. The folks were coming through on a tour, and they got to see the media interview room. And I, I was going to say, it's it was almost our first live event. I mean, yeah, maybe someday we'll pack that auditorium. That'd be great. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, I thought, okay, we're waiting on Dev, and we got a few minutes. Let's just le- let 25 people come in the media room, right? Like, why not? <laughs> why not? And they're like, hey, it's Adam McCalvey. And then they turn around, oh, and like, there's sh- Sophia and Devin. And they're, they're, they're all looking around. They're taking pictures and... And then, uh, Adam, you gave the tour. You said, yeah. this is where Craig Council sits. This is where we sit <laughs> when he's there talking. There are the seats. And then the seats. That's the, this, this concludes the tour of the media interview. <laughs> now get out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and aside from um, Devin's cameo with the tour group, we also got some bonus Tim Dillard content featuring Adam's favorite movie of all time. Well, the best movie of all time, you should say. Oh, <laughs> There's a lot of Clue fans your best uh, on social media. <laughs> I told Tim that I got more feedback on my appearance in his video than I have on anything I've done in 23 years of covering the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> so I've, I've reached the pinnacle and it's all <laughs> severely downhill for me. So it's 100% acting. No more, no more writing. Yeah, my time in uh, Eisenhower High School's production of My Fair Lady as an extra really helped me. <laughs> I had one line from off stage. I yelled, shut up once and for all, shut up. And that was my acting. That was the limit of my acting <laughs> before this appearance. Wow. Well, you nailed it. Uh, I had a lot of people <laughs> like, because uh, when you got, you got to sync up the words, right? And you're playing yeah. Wadsworth, who has like so many lines in that movie anyway. But the timing, the timing was perfect. It only took us, what, three takes? That's not too shabby. Not too shabby. We knocked that out while we were waiting for Sophia to fetch Devin. That's yeah. how yeah, well, it came together we, we thought we did good but sophia and devin did their part in one take <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> even it better took four seconds yeah <laughs> i mean well devin's a professional i just followed tim's uh directing directions and uh i i think we 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 were very good yellers of the word no so yeah you know it's like we executed our one job i think we did okay yeah it, it was believable it was believable <laughs> <laughs> Well, we we had a great time chatting with Devin. We kind of covered the whole scope of his career. Again, drafted in 2013, worked his way um, up up the minor league system, had some setbacks along the way, broke through in 19, and and we all know what has happened since then. Rookie of the year, reliever of the year, an all-star now. He's got 12 saves now on the season. Uh, Devin's just been a fixture in that bullpen for a really long time. So here's our chat with Devin. Hope you enjoy it. Our guest today, Devin Williams, all-star, former rookie of the year, reliever of the year, all kinds of accomplishments on Devin's resume. He's off to a great start this season. And Devin, first of all, just thanks for doing this. But uh, we wanted to talk to you because it's now been 10 years since you've been in the Brewers organization. 10 years ago, you were drafted right out of high school, right out of Hazelwood. And just what when you hear that, like 10 years of Brewers baseball, working your way up, and the pitcher that you are now, like, what are some of the things that you think about being here for 10 years now? Um, I mean, you know, you think about, um, I would say, like, you know, how much has changed in those 10 years. Um, 
where my life was, um, you know, who I was as a person, as a player in 2013, and now you're, you know, 10 years from that. It's it's kind of interesting just to, you know, sit back and kind of look at all the differences. Well, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Devin, that there was a time where you, you almost walked away from this game um, and you would have made 10 years. Can you maybe take us back to that time and set the stage for why that was something that was in your mind? Um, I mean, yeah, I had just gone through 16, 17 months of rehab. Um, and then, um, they sent me off to high A in Carolina and, you know, I made a few good outings and then it just was very downhill. Um, <laughs> I just wasn't pitching while I'm walking everyone, you know, um, there was a really bad one in there where <clears throat> I, I gave up a home run and then the next pitch, I was just like, I'm going to throw it as hard as I can down the middle because I, I couldn't throw strikes that day. And um, I threw it over the kid's head, and the umpire ejects me immediately. And I was like, good, I didn't want to pitch anymore anyway. Like, you know? And so then I walked down the line, and there's like an eight-year-old kid there. I gave him my glove. Like, I was, I was done. I didn't want to play anymore. I just wanted to go home. Um, I hadn't really been back at home or see my family for 18 months at this point. Um, and I was just over it, but you know, um, after that year, kind of just, I took my break, um, went on a little vacation and kind of decided to, you know, give it everything I had for one last year. Um, and it ended up working out. <laughs> I think for every player, there's a point where you're like, why am I doing this? I'm, I'm sick of this, not getting results. I tried to quit a lot. My wife wanted me to quit a lot. I didn't. I just kind of kept playing. Um, but for me, just being a part of this Brewers organization for as long as I have, um, I had a lot of people that came alongside me in those moments that would, would talk me out of it or to help me. Um, I think of like trainers, like Jaeger was big for me, Jeff Paxson. Um, I think of pitching coaches like Doc Klein, Steve Klein in Arizona, and definitely players uh, came alongside R.A. Dickey and Latroy Hawkins. Who are some people in this organization, players, it could be a trainer, a coach, that came alongside you maybe in that moment or other moments that kind of helped you and guided you um, along the way? Um, I mean, throughout my rehab, we had a, a coach down there, um, Scott Schneider, who me and him, you know, grew to be pretty close. We were working together every day for, you know, over a year. So, um, you know, he was he was really good for you know, I would say more my mental than than anything on the mound. You know, I've always been kind of just a figure-it-out-yourself kind of guy when it comes to that, but um, off the field, I've needed a little help, um, and he was he was very big for me. Um, but I don't know. You know, I think aside from that, it was just kind of, you know, kind of the person that I've always been. It's just I gave it my all, and... Um, you know, I got the results I was looking for in 2019 and ended up making it to the big leagues. And then, you know, after that year, you do it again, um, you know, try and stick. Uh, I didn't want to go back to the minor leagues. So, you know, that was my motivation there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, luckily it's it's turned out the way it has. So, yeah, Devin, for, for context, you're drafted in 13. You have surgery, rehabbing. 2018 was the year that it all it was the down year for you, right? Where it all kind of fell apart. You're giving your glove away. Why did you come back? Like, how did you get past that? And and just as a competitor and as a person and just how, you know, tough you are, like, why did you come back for 19? And then to make your debut at 19? Yeah, I mean, I think that's just something that's been instilled in me. You know, my mom never allowed me to quit anything that I started. So, um, you know, there's that, and, you know, it's kind of like a pride thing. Uh, you know, I always thought that I was good enough to play here, but I just hadn't gotten the results that, that were needed for that. But, um, you know, I came in with a with a fresh mindset and, you know, in, in the best shape, I would say, of my life coming into spring in 2019. And then they, they moved me to the bullpen, and it kind of allowed me to maximize my talent. You just mentioned her, Devin. Your mom's name is Angela Norton. Can you tell us about her? And uh, this is a maybe could be a two-hour answer, but her influence on on you and you have two sisters, is that right? Um, just 
Tell us about her. I mean, she's great. You know, she she's a you know ball of personality. Um, but she's just she's always been that person. You know, she's always there to pick me up when things are going wrong. You know, she always wants to. I always say she's preaching because she's she's pretty religious. But um, yeah, I mean, she's just the person you want to talk to when when things aren't going right. She's always got a positive mindset and you know just encourages you to you know keep going no matter what you're going through. Devin, if you could pick the brain of of one player that you think that you could get something out of, not that you need any help whatsoever, you've been dominating since you got here, but what is something that maybe you, what's the next step, I guess, maybe in your journey of being a reliever? Um, And what players do you look at and say, man, whatever they're doing, they're doing something right? I would say either, you know, Hoffman or Rivera, I guess, in in my shoes, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to do this for as long as I can and be be at a elite level for as long as I can. And those guys obviously did it for a very long time. And it's just I'd like to know how they how they maintain their mindset and like their their hunger to you know show up every day for 19, 18 seasons, whatever it was for those guys. Um, you know, because there's days that you struggle with that, but you know we all go through that. But it's how you how you manage that and how you get through that to, you know, help you have the longevity you're looking for. What about what about some of your teammates now? Are you able to pass along some of the tutelage and things that you've learned already uh, in your career to maybe some of these guys as far as, like, their mindset or making them better? Yeah, I mean, I try to. If, if people have questions, I'm, I'm always very open. Um, you know, a lot of people ask about the changeup, but... <laughs> I think there's a lot more that goes into it than that. Um, you know, everyone's unique. Not everyone's going to be able to do what I do, and I can't, I can't do what other people do, you know. Um, but I think the mentality and, like, the preparation, your day-to-day work is plays a huge factor, you know, and people look over that. All right, you brought it up, so I'm going to ask about the change-up. Because I, there have been di- some stories over the years, like, I think, You've told me that it's it was partly messing with teammates as you were playing catch. You wanted to see if you could get them to throw something that moves so much they'd whiff. But like, where did the change up? Like, where was the change up born? And why are you so good? Why is your change up so different from everybody else's? If that makes sense. You said, where did it come from? Um, the birth. Yes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> playing catch in the backyard. You know, just messing with my friends. Um, yeah, and then that eventually turned into my changeup, which I've always I've always had a good one, um, you know. And then we were doing live abs. I would say with I was facing Trent Grisham, and he apparently could see it when I when I threw it because the spin was different. So I just switched the axis to four seam, and threw it, and he swung a miss, and he was like, "Okay, that one was better," you know. So then I've been I've been throwing it the same ever since then. Is there something, Devin, like physically that you have that allows you to just to pronate the baseball differently than other guys to just, are you, are you just able to grip release? I don't know if it's flexibility. Like, is there something physically involved in this as well? Uh, you know, um, the biomechanics and all that is not really my, my field of expertise. So <laughs> I, I can't really answer that, but I do have... I think an unusually flexible wrist, so that may have something to do with it. But I I couldn't tell you for sure. Show us the show us the wrist action. I've been told that most people can't. Oh do wow, it. I can't do that. See, this is why this is why we need video so we can see this. No, Pedro Martinez can like stick his fingers out really weird. I've had teammates that can like touch their forearm with their fingertips. So sometimes when people see a pitch and they're like, "Oh, I want to throw that," physically they they can't do it or they don't have. Uh, the extension on the mound, or they don't have the release grip. Like the, physically, they can't do it because of the way they're built. Do you think this pitch was built for you? You were built for this pitch. Uh, I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, your body adapts and you know changes over time if you continue to do things. I think I've just like kind of adapted over time, and it's just gotten better. Um, I've always had a really loose, whippy arm, so I think that may have something to do with it, but. You know, like I, I pronate really well, but I also 
you know, I struggle to spin breaking balls. Like other guys can do that very well, and I struggle to do that. So, you know, there's pros and cons. <laughs> Devin, on, on the other side of it, just being who you are, right? And like 2020, when you just blew up, right, with with the Airbender and being Rookie of the Year and Leader of the Year, and you, you just established yourself as a dude in the league, right? Of one of the absolute best arms in the league. But there's like the mental performance part that comes with your role of of being the closer, of being in that spot, the pressure that's on you every game. What are like some of the tools that you've developed or used or that you've learned that like help you manage that on the mound? Or even good days or bad days, right? Whether you get the save or whether it's a blown save, like you, you're so good at being in the moment. And that's what Craig Housel says to us all the time. Like, you're a competitor, but you're also so good at just staying present, like pitch to pitch. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's my whole mindset, you know. Um, if I get into a tough situation, it's it's making one pitch at a time. You can't really start to look ahead at all. And that's something I've always said, you know. Um, that's when you find yourself in even more trouble. It's when you start to look ahead at who's on deck and things like that. Um, you know, it's just... Controlling what you can control and going one pitch at a time. You know, I got to execute this pitch. And then when I do that, my mindset is to execute the next one. Devin, when we talked about your 10 years, I asked you, how are you different now than you were then as a pitcher and a person? And you said the word maturity. And Sophia just mentioned 2020. That seems to me like besides a baseball breakout, that was a year where, tell me if I'm wrong about this, where maybe you found your voice a little bit inside the clubhouse. That was a year where there were social justice protests all over the country. Um, as we were all living through this pandemic and as Major League Baseball, you guys are all trying to play a season. There was like so much happening all at once. Do you feel like you found a little bit of your voice in, in that year? And, and how much of like your, when you think about your story in this game is tied to the steps you took that season on and off the field? I mean, I guess you could say that a little bit. Um... I don't know if that really had, um, you know, that much to do in the clubhouse. It was more, you know, in the media and things like that. Like I did a lot of interviews that year. I don't know. I guess it, it kind of forces you to be a little more mature in your thought process and, you know, how you analyze situations and things like that. But also just I've, I've told you before, it kind of puts things into perspective, you know, um, that I mean, as much as people might not want to hear this, baseball's not like the end-all, be-all. It's something I'm very good at, and I enjoy doing a lot. You know, I want to win more than anyone, but at the end of the day, it's baseball. So I think that that, that mentality has helped me grow as a person and a player, you know. Um, just, you know, really puts put things into perspective. Well, as far as the clubhouse, like, what what's... What do you look forward to every day when you come to the clubhouse? Like, who who do you want to see? Who do you want to talk to? Maybe you just saw him yesterday, but you hadn't seen him in eight hours. So you're just like, hey, what's up? I love the clubhouse. It's the one thing I miss the most about playing because being on the mound was stressful for me. <laughs> I, I wasn't good <laughs> like you, uh, but it was stressful. And being in the clubhouse was just, I felt more comfortable in the clubhouse than I even did sometimes in my own house, like just because you spend so much time with those guys. Who are the guys that you look forward to seeing every day, talking to them, even though you literally just saw them the day before? Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of guys, you know. I, I like to kind of bounce around and talk to everyone. Um, you know, obviously Pete's like one of my best friends. Um, pretty much all the bullpen guys, we all, we're all pretty close. Um, you know, the starters, Willie, the whole team. I wouldn't say there's really anyone in particular, but it's just, you know, being around people um, that come from different backgrounds, have different experiences, and kind of um, just taking what you can from those people. Um, they they have learned different life lessons than you. They have different perspectives, so it's it's always interesting to hear that. You know, um, me and Winker had a good talk when we were in Cincinnati. We sat in the bullpen. Just I don't even remember what we were talking about, but it was nothing to do with baseball for like 30 minutes. Um, and then same thing with Miley when we were in Toronto. We were just, you know, talking about life. And it's interesting to get everyone's perspective. Speaking of life, life is changing for you. You and Maggie got engaged in the off season. Pete's trying to recruit you to move to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
what what does life look like for you off the field now? Is your you know you're planning your future with Maggie? Um, you know, you guys have gotten really into travel in the off season, seeing some different soccer games. Like, what does life for you look like in the off season when you're thinking about you know life beyond baseball? Um, in the off season, I you know I just I try and enjoy it as much as I can. Um, you know, usually starts with a vacation somewhere you know, whatever, but, um, yeah, I mean, just enjoying every day, you know, um, I have my training and then I don't know, whatever, whatever's thrown at me that day. <laughs> Devin, I know everyone listening to this has read my story from spring training about your travel, obviously. I mean, <laughs> but you were kind enough to tell me a lot about your travel and share some photos. Um, and a lot of it revolves around football, European football. And um, you've been to some super cool places. Um, can you share for the probably two people out of the millions listening who didn't read that story, what do you get from travel? Like, I, I think we all love travel because we feel like we get something. We come back a little richer than when we left, even though we're poor, <laughs> a lot poorer usually. But like, what do you feel like you get from those experiences? And what's the best place you've been? Um, for me, I think it's just the fact that I can... It's it's just like a total reset, you know, from the time you're in spring training up until the end of the year. It's um, you're kind of under a microscope, kind of, um, and then you go there, and there's absolutely no one over there that would recognize me, and you know, it's just it's a just a reset, like I said. Um, but I think it's it's just getting away from you know where you're used to, and my typical experience. Um, like being here, you know, going to other countries, it's their way of life is just so different. So I just like to experience everything, you know, when I go wherever I like to try like the local cuisine and, you know, just see what life is like over there. What about the experience when we walked in here and we're in the media room and there was, and there was a tour going on and everybody in that tour did not expect to see Devin Williams <laughs> walking in. And uh, if you're one of our listeners that was in here, thanks for, um, you know, coming and see the media room for 30 seconds and then leaving so we could do this. Um, but anyway, I just want to say, Devin, thank you for for uh, coming in and, and, and meeting all those people <laughs> and sitting down with us because um, it's insightful, and especially to, to hear the perspective uh, in the moment. It's not like we're talking to you in the off season or we're talking to you in spring training. We're talking in the middle of the season, um, and, and that's a big deal. So thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. Let me ask one more about that, Devin, because, you know, I think fans, it's like they live this throughout the year, like the highs, they ride this roller coaster. Council always calls it the roller coaster, where you guys don't, or maybe you do, and, and you're really good at hiding it. But it seems to me that, especially someone in your role, if you have your not best night, by definition, the game's on the line. Like, often that means losing a game and feeling like you contributed to a loss. How do you turn that off? Like, what tools do you have to shut that off and come the next day ready to win a game? Um, I mean, obviously, in my position, if I don't have my best game, we probably are going to lose. You know, we saw it the other day. <laughs> but I think the the biggest thing is, you know, to show up the next day with a fresh mindset or, you know. I mean, me personally, I take every loss as like a – moment to learn about myself um, and, you know, grow from it and continue to get better. Um, you know, I think as much as you don't want to, um, the losses make you stronger in a way, you know, um, or failures, whatever you want to call it, make you better for the future. You know, the next time that situation happens, how am I going to handle it? You know, it's kind of a challenge to myself and um, just to continue to get better. Uh, I think it's not not to shy away from that next moment. It's like one of my biggest things, you know, to try and um, get right back out there. Um, so that Wednesday, I think it was, I was, I really wanted to pitch that day, you know. I think a lot of guys are like that, but I didn't get that opportunity, so I'm still waiting on it. But, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing, just – continue to go with a fresh mindset or, you know, use that, that negative experience you had to, to propel you in the future. 
I just have one more uh, before we wrap this up with you because you've been incredibly generous with your time. But bucket list, like for everything that you've already done in your career, you had the opportunity to pitch in the World Baseball Classic for Team USA. I know you loved that experience and how that helped you get ready for the season. I mean, you've done the All-Star Game. Like, is there a bucket list baseball moment or experience that you're missing and a bucket list travel experience? Baseball-wise, I think the only thing that's really left is to win a World Series, right? <laughs> um, yeah, that would be incredible. I've always wanted to be in a you know, a parade after you win. So I wish I, I want to experience that sometime soon, hopefully. Um, and travel-wise, I don't know, maybe somewhere in Africa. It used to be London, but now I've done that a few times now. So I got to get a new new travel destination. I got to think about that one. Craig Council has done the safari in Africa. So I think maybe he'd be a, a good travel guide for you if, if a safari interests you at all. I'd be open to it. You know, I'm open to whatever. I like to, you know, experience new things. So I'm sure it'll it'll happen for me eventually, hopefully. Thank you, Devin, for the time. This was really fun. So thank you for, uh, for chatting with us here on Brewers Unfiltered. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much to Devin Williams for the time joining us on Brewers Unfiltered. We enjoyed our chat with him. We got a lot more Brewers baseball to get to here as we're getting closer to the All-Star break. We'll talk about Christian Yelich and then Sal Freelich, who's making his comeback in AAA with the Nashville Sounds. We've got more coming up here on Brewers Unfiltered. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion Team. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're back here on Brewers Unfiltered. And guys, we're just now over 70 games into the season. And the Brewers are coming off of a series sweep in their first meeting with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I think we were all interested to see how that series was going to go just because it was our first look at the Pirates. And we we talked on this podcast about like the fantastic start that they Got off to in April, um, the Brewers had great pitching. They had some timely offense. They had a comeback win on Sunday, which has been hard for them to come by um, at this point in the season. But with all of that, so the series sweep puts them back in first place. Pittsburgh falls a couple games behind. Pittsburgh now riding a seven-game losing streak because they had also been swept by the Cubs before their visit to Milwaukee. But all of a sudden, guys, we're looking at the standings and the Cincinnati Reds are in first place thanks to a nine-game winning streak. So the current standings, as we're shooting this on Tuesday morning, the Reds at the top, the Brewers in second, and then the Pittsburgh Pirates in third. Um, and the Cardinals are still still struggling despite winning their last three games. So it's it feels like this is going to be what it is in the NL Central moving forward here. And maybe the good news is, for the Brewers is they're going to be finishing this first half of the season before the All-Star break with 10 consecutive games within the division. So there's a huge opportunity in front of them 
as they'll see the Pirates, the Cubs, and then the Reds again before the All-Star break. Well, my cousin Val is getting married the final weekend of the regular season. Congratulations, Val. I love you. And I thought, you know, maybe if things are settled before then in the division, you can I can sneak away and get up and, you know, go look like an idiot on the dance floor. Um, I don't think I'm going to get to look like an idiot on the dance floor because this feels like the kind of thing that's, I mean, I can still do that at other times, I suppose. But this feels like a division that's going to come very much down to the end. So, you know, look, for fun only, I think Fangraph's playoff odds are fun to kind of monitor to see the ups and downs as the season goes along. So if you look at their projected standings for the rest of the way, they actually like the Brewers. <clears throat> their projected Brewers wins is 82.1, so hooray, 500. Um, and then the other teams, if you go, you know, Cardinals, Cubs, Pirates, Reds are all between 76 and 78 wins. So even our robot overlords think that this division is going to be just absolutely bunched up the whole way. For Fangrass right now, they have the Brewers 47.5% to win the division. The other clubs are like 14, 15%. So, you know, the models like the Brewers. I That's perhaps, you know, just based on the way they've pitched without some of the guys that the projections really like, notably Brandon Woodruff, not really pitching at all this season, essentially. And I think he is a, um, you know, I have him sort of circled as a potential big difference maker for the rest of the way. But I mean... Look, this division often is one that comes down to the end, and it, it just, to me, seems obvious that it's going to be uh, the case again this year. I think the NL Central is always tough, but I think you're having different team names. The Cincinnati Reds are in first place. What year is it? You know, well, like, 2012 is the last time this deep into a season they were in well, first. So I, was gonna say I guess Robin, it's 2012. Yeah, I was going to say Robin Williams coming out of the <laughs> Jumanji, bearded up, and what year is it? Yeah, I it, every all every team is essentially pretty decent. It, what's amazing is that the Cardinals have fallen like they have, uh, but you knew the Cubs were probably going to be better. You saw the potential of the Reds. Uh, maybe we didn't see it when we were in Cincinnati. Uh, they didn't play their best baseball. The Brewers played great, but um, you knew it was there. You knew it was coming, and of course the Pirates. I, I, I you knew the Pirates can be good. They just needed a little bit of leadership. They got Andrew McCutcheon. So I. I don't know. It is going to come down to the wire because everybody has had a hot streak. Everybody has had a low streak. Uh, and it's been that way for the entire season so far. One really interesting factor, I think, is the the new schedule. You basically you lose, what, one series against each division opponent? Is that essentially what it comes down to? So there's la there's just a little bit less of controlling your own destiny when you get to the end. Now, the Brewers do play the Cardinals a lot right at the end. So that's one that head-to-head -head could be really interesting if the Cardinals get it together, which I think everyone keeps waiting for them to do, and they're just not doing it. Um, but I, that, that's just one factor. You're, you're not going to necessarily see that matchup aside, these teams head-to-head -head as much. So it's going to be a little bit more relying on, you know, teams are going to have to rely on other teams for help all across baseball, I mean. And you also brought up, too, with Woodruff, I, I don't think any other team is going to be expecting that kind of a big boost later in the season. Like, nobody else has a Brandon Woodruff on the shelf that's going to be coming back, you know, maybe post-All-Star break, that's going to be able to do and what he can do on the mound and just absolutely carry a game. So that, that to me, is going to be the difference maker when it comes down the stretch is, um, is, is everybody else staying healthy? And if everybody's pitching even kind of like they can pitch, uh, you, you got you to gotta fare the Brewers more so than almost anybody else. I think what's interesting, too, about the schedule is, like, you're obviously playing these division teams less, so one or two fewer series against each of these teams. But it also feels like the way that the schedule is structured, the series are bunched together, right? Like, the Brewers went all the way until the middle of June before they saw the Pirates for the first time. Now they're playing them twice in essentially two weeks. They're going to have nine games against the Cincinnati Reds in July. Three different series against the Reds. Um, you mentioned the Cardinals. They play them both on the final road trip and the final homestand of the season in September. So maybe that's a favorable time to play them. So I think it's like, it's not just how much you're playing these teams. It's also when you're playing these teams, right? Are they in a hot streak? Are they in a cold streak, right? Like, I'm not sure. It's just, it's it's interesting to me kind of, how the schedule will affect some of that of when you're catching some of these teams. Um, and I saw an interesting note 
last night on Monday, um, it was the first time that all five former MVPs in the National League Central played all on the same night. So the Reds got Joey Votto back. He's been out since last year. Andrew McCutcheon, of course, with the Pirates. Paul Goldschmidt with the Cardinals. And then Cody Bellinger with the Cubs. It was the first time, and of course Christian here, but it was the first time that all five former MVPs played on the same night. And I think what's interesting about the division maybe makes it more unpredictable is like so many of these teams, like the Reds calling up Ellie De La Cruz, the Pirates just called up Henry Davis. Like they're counting on all these young players. Um, and the Brewers are, that's true for them a little bit too with with Joey Weimer and if Bryce Terang comes back. But it's going to be interesting maybe how that experience plays out or doesn't. Well, the Reds are very dangerous right now. And the highlights from... Joey Votto's return. I mean, just as a, <clears throat> I know the people listening to us aren't rooting for Joey Votto and the Reds necessarily, but as a baseball fan, that was really cool in Cincinnati to hear the Joey chants and he hits a homer and a go ahead single. Ellie De La Cruz has electrified them, but they also lost Hunter Green to the IL. So they, the Reds have some pitching questions and it's going to be for them a fascinating trade deadline because it's been a couple of years since the Reds were sort of on the buy side. So, you know, here we are on, on June 20th. We're, we're getting close to when I think we're going to start talking about trade deadlines. Probably still three weeks before the GMs get kind of serious about it. But um, it, it's kind of getting to be that time where you start to figure out, okay, what is our team? Where do we stand? And what do we need? And I think for all these teams in the division, even the Cardinals, like I have a hard time believing the Cardinals are going to be sellers. I know there's like chatter about that. I think these teams are all close enough that they're all going to be in a, a posture that they think they can win this division because you look at the standings and it just looks like it's kind of it's it's there and it's there for the taking. It does. It feels like a culmination. Like every team's kind of figuring it out in the NL Central at the same year in the same year. You know, the Pirates being good and the Reds being good. It just feels like everyone's starting to get their ducks in a row. And the, the trade deadline's probably going to boost that. Think about all the trades that are going to happen in NL Central. If, if this even plays out kind of like it, it is already, everyone's going to be going for it. <laughs> When's the last time that happened? Yeah, it's going to make for some uh, interesting, probably discussions and decisions for these front offices trying to navigate like what's been a really tumultuous <laughs> race already um, within the division. But Speaking of, of former MVPs, Christian Yelich uh, has just been on a tear. He's currently on a 12-game on-base streak. He's hitting over 380 in that stretch, 17 hits for him. The power is starting to come back. Um, and if you take it back even a little bit further, guys, this has really started for him going back to May 1st with the average and the on-base percentage. We're starting to see power, um, opposite field contact. Kind of what have you guys seen from Christian just at, at the top of the at the top of the order and kind of what he's doing offensively right now. I mean, I the, the thing that sticks out the most for me personally is just because we're paid to watch, right? All these games. And you pay as close attention as possible, but for me it's the strikeout percentage. He's just not striking out like he has been uh in years past. And even in April his strikeouts were high. Now he's just making contact and not just making contact, but he's just barreling up balls. He's hitting balls as hard as he was in 2019. Um, a lot of his numbers are starting to mirror 2019. Uh, and I dug a little deeper. He's got 24 extra base hits already. He only had 43 all of last year. So he's on pace to smoke that out of the water. Uh, but I dug even deeper because I wanted to do good on this podcast so people will listen. And uh, 22 <laughs> of the extra base hits, 22 of the 24 are against right-handed pitchers. He is punishing right-handed pitchers right now, batting 288. That's where all his damages come from. And he's batting only 229 against left-handed pitching. So, you know, that kind of attributes a little bit to the Brewers and how they have bumps in the road when they face left-handed pitching. But uh, Christian Yelich has is, is, is looked amazing. And I don't think he's just up there trying to walk. There were times where he's like, I can just finagle a walk right here. And his walks are good, but his walk percentage is down as well just because he is up there wanting to swing the bat. That's why you're seeing so many hits to the left side. He's even feeling good and pulling fastballs down the right field line. That's really good uh, for a hitter, really bad for a pitcher when you see a guy able to spray the ball like that because there's no safe spot to go. And if you miss, you're going to miss into an extra base hit. Yeah, 
it, it's the ball in the air, and it just seems like it's very simple for Christian knowledge. Uh, one, health. Two, elevate. And it doesn't mean, you know, people, I think, s- still don't quite get launch angle because it just seems like you're trying to just launch the ball straight into the air. It, it's more complicated than that. It's keeping the ball off the ground more than anything. And when Christian Yelich has his swing path in a place where he's generating line drives, he he has always hit the ball as hard as any player in baseball. So that is going to lead to good things. And that's what's happening right now. And our friend Dom Contronio had a, that great stat yesterday that if Sophia mentioned since May 1st, since May 1st, players who are slashing better than 300, 400, 500, there's three regulars, really, hundred at least 100 at-bats. There's three guys that are slashing 300, 400, 500, and it's Freddie Freeman, Shohei Otani, and Christian Yelich. So that shows you the, the production that they're getting. It's interesting, you know, if if the manager of this ball club liked to talk about his lineups, which this particular manager doesn't, it'd be interesting to hear whether they're thinking about any changes there because Yelich has hit, what, 3-4 in the lefty, the versus lefty lineups that they've put out there the right-handed heavy lineups, but against right-handed pitchers, he's been still at the top. And as they're searching for offense, because many of those other hitters are just not performing right now, I wonder whether it's like there's thought over this sustained a period, whether it's time to like think about Christian Yelich as a three-hole hitter again and just try to get a little more bang for those extra base hits. So... You know, look, that that's a puzzle that requires other guys that are getting on base a lot. And the problem for the Brewers is that they they are the list of those types of players right now is not very long for them. They have guys who are just fighting it right now, big time. Willie Adamas is really fighting it. Jesse Winker's really fighting it. I think Sophia, your the the Bally cameras caught a, a great shot of Winker on the bench after they uh got shut down by Merrill Kelly and the D backs in that opening game where, you know, it was almost like post-playoff game, you know, stare where he's really thinking about a lot of different things. So it, it requires, it's a puzzle, and, and it's not as simple as just move Yelich into the three-hole and you all of a sudden get all these RBIs. But it, it, it does make you think, just the way he's swinging the bat, it looks a lot more like that three-hole hitter Yelich that everyone remembers from a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I think you you hit on it with like health primarily. I mean, he's played in 69 games. He's been out there essentially every day. And it's been different for him this year because he's essentially playing left field every day. There haven't been many DH days for him as they've just tried to get Jesse Winker going. Um, the on-base for him is over 360 right now. The OPS is over 800 overall. And I think kind of an underrated part of what he's doing right now too is just with the stolen bases and that might be part of the reason why they want to keep him in the leadoff spot Adam to your point he's got 16 stolen bases already leading the team for context he had 19 all of last season and his career high is 30 and that was from the 2019 season um so I think he's just you know he's played great defense too we've talked about that with Craig so I think maybe they still like him in that leadoff spot just for as sort of the table setter and getting on for and hopefully you hope right that Willie and Rowdy and Winker can get going behind him um but yeah the production the production has definitely been there for Christian well look and the other part of that is like he gets on base atop the lineup again this is like one at bat he leads off the to lead off the game and then you don't know where he's gonna bat after that so that's that's why Craig Council doesn't get into these deep discussions about the lineup. But, like, theoretically, if he leads off the game with a hit, that puts pressure, instant pressure on the starting pitcher, the opposing starter. And, and you know, theoretically, it gets Willie a couple more fastballs. It gets Roddy Telez a few more fastballs. So there's that's why I'm saying it's I, – I get it that it's like a puzzle. It's not as simple as just move Yelich to three and all of a sudden he starts, you know, driving in all these runs. Um, but – something they need to find something to just sustain a little bit of offense. And I know they've spent tons of time working on this and thinking about it. And the way Craig council has put it, I think we've talked about it on the podcast. He's like, these, this is our team. Like these are the the players that we need to produce. And it's, it's Willie Adamas and it's Luis Urias being back and it's Jesse Winker. They're, 
they're counting on a bounce back from Winker that they haven't yet seen. So um, th- there's there's no it, it's not like you can punt players and then just bring in a new wave of like two and three hole hitters. Uh, it's just not how the game works. Well, I, I kind of like Yelich in the leadoff spot. I know he only leads off one time a game, and then maybe he'll come up later with people on base. It may suffer his RBIs, but he has scored, what, 49 times? 49 runs, I think. And he just makes things happen. He makes pitchers uncomfortable. And you can tell just because he's healthy. And he's like Sophia said, he's running all over the place, stealing second, stealing third. Um, that right there, to me, you get him on base, and this is where the lineup comes into play. You can't have two guys behind him or three out of the first four behind him uh, struggling. You can't have that. He's going to be on base. Just bank on that. And you got to have people that are willing to get him in. Uh, you're hoping that for Winker. Adamas, you know, hasn't come around just yet. Telez, you got to have somebody in there. And I think it's Contreras. Honestly, he's been doing really well. That's going to drive him in, in those moments. Because right now, Christian Yelts is on base. Now what? And so to me, it's what follows. And if you drop him down the third, you can't guarantee anybody's going to be on base before he gets up. He may get up with two outs. So what would you rather rather have him up with two outs or up, you know, with nobody out? So I, to me, right now, the lineup and how Craig Council constructs it is probably more important than I've probably seen in my year, couple years of doing this broadcasting thing. Just because I don't know, I, I it you have a guy that's been super consistent, and you have to. You have to t- capitalize on that, and I don't think they've—I don't think they've done that fully. Well, one player that could be a factor here down the road, um, and someone that fans have definitely been keeping an eye on since spring training, is one of the prospects, Sal Freelich, who is working his way back from a thumb injury. That was an injury that he suffered back on April 18th, which, in maybe the worst luck ever, was also the same night that Garrett Mitchell suffered his shoulder injury, which. Uh, Garrett ended up having shoulder surgery for that. Sal, same type of play, sliding into a base, hurts his thumb, has surgery, missed the last seven weeks. He's now back in AAA with the Nashville Sounds. And guys, he's just, uh, he's tearing it up right now. He, uh, in four games with Nashville, he's got five hits. He's hitting over 350. He does have a homer. He's driven in a couple of runs. Um, So I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Sal performs coming back from this injury. Um, Adam, I know you shared um, an article about how Sal said he was feeling refreshed, maybe like a, a little mini off-season reset for him, some of the strengthening and work that he did. But I think this is this is a player that fans are are excited to kind of keep an eye on and whether he could be a factor for this team down the stretch. Yeah, Ben Weinrib, one of my colleagues who um, works on the minor league side, spoke to Sal Saturday night, and it's on Brewers.com. And, you know, he said he's feeling good. And look, this game, we just talked about it with the Yelich. So much of this game is, for talented players, it's health. And um, Sal Felix's career on base as a professional is 402. So that sounds like something that would be useful to the Brewers. And I think that he's going to get some at-bats. You know, Craig Council said the task for Sal is to get healthy, number one. He's playing. That's a sign he's healthy. And then number two, just force his way up, show that he belongs here. And he's got to obviously bank some at-bats to to get that foundation again that he lost while he was down. Um, but I I don't think it's going to be very long. Um, I think that, again, that they are kind of racking their brains for ways to generate offense. They've, de- they, they've dipped into that organizational depth in a big way. And credit to, you know, say, Blake Perkins, for example, a guy who's come up and made an impact when he played. Um, you know, we talked about that list of 300, 400, 500 slash line guys. In a small sample, Blake Perkins is one of those guys. So that's, you know, he, when, when he's played, he's, he's had an impact. But Sal is a guy that could play every day for you and um, play any of the three positions out there. So, look, our, our wrangler Ezra Siegel and his film crew is in Nashville getting some footage of Sal for – the latest episode of their the freshman documentary series and um who knows when that will air but maybe it'll coincide with uh, a good day for sal well they're there for a reason sal Felix, legit he's he's hit everywhere he's gone they know he's going to hit coming you know to the big leagues so he, he'll he'll struggle a bit but he'll definitely figure it out if guys are pure hitters they're pure hitters uh but when are they going to call him up who knows 
um, looking at his stat line in uh, AAA, and against left-handed pitching, he's batting 185. So against right-handed pitching, he's crushing them 302. So where where does that come into play? You know, they're going to bring him up, and 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 if he's going to play every day, then you're sacrificing, you know, maybe maybe not as strong as lineup against a lefty. So I I don't I, I don't know exactly what part he's going to play, but we're going to see him in the big leagues. And he's going to bring a spark, just like Joey Weimer did day two of the season, <laughs> just like Garrett Mitchell did last year. Um, and you're starting to see it around the league, right? Sophia's bringing up uh, what, what the Reds have done, the Pirates. People are starting to realize, you know what? We need these young guys. We need them now. And it's, it's hey, when do we start their clock? All that front office stuff. Nobody cares anymore. It's, it's let's get this going. Uh, and start these guys because they can be impact players. And we know Sal Freelich can do that. So uh, what part he's going to play and when, nobody knows. I, I, I doubt the front office even knows. Uh, but he is going to hit. The guy is a pure hitter. And I, I, to, to deny that is, <laughs> is irri- you know, irrational just because he is such a good impact player. Uh, and they, they're, they're going to see it for the long haul as well. I think other thing worth noting is that Bryce Terang, speaking of young guys, has been really impactful for the sounds the last couple of games. He had a three-game homer streak. He had a walk-off. Um, I think that uh, that's another player that's going to play a big role for the Brewers down the stretch because defensively he was such an impact for them when he came back yeah. or, or when, he, when when he was up early, and it just he just didn't hit enough. So I think the fact that he's hitting in this short stretch at Nashville is a really good sign. We're going to be keeping an eye on all of that. And I think the outfield especially is where like their depth has also been. So we talk so much about injuries and how the pitching staff has been affected. But the outfield, I mean, they lost Garrett Mitchell with the shoulder surgery. Tyrone Taylor is on the IL for a second time with the right elbow injury. He's expected to go out on a rehab assignment maybe as soon as next week after he had a, a cortisone shot. That's been an injury that he's been dealing with going back to the offseason. So Blake Perkins has been up. They go out and they sign Rymel Tapia, who's given them nice defense, but hasn't quite gotten it going. And again, in a very small sample size of just over a week here with the team. So I think that's just a place where they're, you know, they're searching for more production. Um, and maybe maybe Sal could be a part of that here coming up. So, guys, that's all we got time for here on Brewers Unfiltered. Uh, a lot to get through there, but... We're getting closer to the All-Star break, so we'll have more to talk about here. The Brewers will finish up the homestand with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and then they'll be hitting the road for a long one. It'll be the Cleveland Guardians, followed by four games with the New York Mets, and then another three-game series, their first visit to Pittsburgh of the year. So we'll have a lot more to talk about next week. But thanks for joining us. Make sure you follow all of us, at Adam McKelvey, at Dim Tillard, of course, following the Brewers on all of their social platforms. And thanks for joining us on Brewers Unfiltered. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.